You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this program. Today, I've got Cam Berry with me as we get you set for Auburn and Sanford. Game number three coming up inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. We will have your preview of Auburn versus Sanford here this afternoon. We'll also talk about the other games coming up in the weekend in college football. Not going to lie, it is going to be probably the weakest slate of games for the college football season, but there are still storylines to follow and games that are important inside of the Southeastern Conference, so we will break those down for you here on this afternoon's show. And of course, just again, a lot of college football talk. Uh, getting set for another slate of games this weekend. Of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call today if you want to chat about Auburn, Sanford, or college football or pro football, whatever might be on your mind. We will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week coming up here a little bit later and also towards the end of the show, I want to watch for over the weekend. So good stuff ready for you here on this Friday. Again, Ryan and Cam with you here this Friday afternoon. Cam, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a, it's a Friday and everybody loves a, gr- a good Friday. Um, I've, I just, I've had a good day so far, honestly. Got up kind of early in the morning, played some basketball, went to the gym, worked out, got a haircut. I'm feeling good. So um, ready to ready to enjoy the game tomorrow evening, and, and hopefully it doesn't rain too much uh, on, on Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, obviously not too worried about Samford, but uh, we're gonna, probably going to break that down a little bit and just talk about that. And uh, haven't been on since the Braves clinched the division, so that's fantastic. Uh, with what 16 games left, and uh, they are ready to face off the Marlins, so it's it's uh, it's shaping up to be a, a good end of the week and uh, looking into a great weekend. Um, so I'm I'm doing great, and uh, of course ready for NFL. And Thursday night's game was also pretty good to watch with the with the Eagles and the Vikings. That was a fun one to um, to to watch and enjoy. And uh, I was I was surprised that the Eagles were able to let um, the Vikings kind of back in it. Um, so it ended up being a better game kind of uh, towards the end there, and so I was glad with that. But I watched for some fantasy football purposes and uh, was able to stay engaged. So, yeah, I'm doing great and uh, ready to talk with you, Ryan, on a, on a great Friday. Absolutely. And, again, as you mentioned, it was kind of a similar story for the Eagles in Week 2 than it was for Week 1 where there was a part of the game that looked like they started to dominate, started to pull away. Yeah. And then in the final quarter – 
Uh, the other team this week being the Vikings, week one being the Patriots able to get back in it, but still defending NFC champions 2-0 and on the season. Up next for them at Tampa Bay in week three on Monday night football. Uh, but yeah, uh, Amazon season kicked off last night and Herb Street and Al Michaels and all that good stuff. The the crazy travel schedules of Kirk Herb yeah. Street this time oh, of year. Uh, so uh, to keep you abreast, so he's in Philly last night. Right. Uh, which, by the way, had an Auburn flavor. Get to that in a second. Uh, was in Philly last night. Going to Boulder for the Colorado game day. Every pregame show in the country is going to be in Colorado tomorrow. Yeah. Then, he's not doing that game, though. He is going to Gainesville Saturday Sheesh. night for Florida-Tennessee, oh which, again, gosh. that is one of the better matchups of the weekend, right. and that kind of shows you where we're at this weekend. <laughs> but So, going from the Northeast – out west, back to the southeast in a matter of 48, uh, 60 hours, something like that. So That's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of traveling a this lot. time of year. And the Auburn flavor I speak of last night, for those that do not know, Independence, one of Auburn's Eagles, uh, Bald Eagle, went to uh, Philadelphia, went to Lincoln Financial Field, and flew before the game, similar to how, obviously, the flight goes here at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Obviously, there was not a... Uh, plethora of shouting <laughs> War Eagle, right? But uh, the Auburn's Independence did fly last night at uh, Lincoln Financial uh, Stadium, so uh, that was a, a cool, cool sight. And uh, they'd been up there this week getting ready for that, so uh, a, a different opportunity there. And uh, so that's why I said beyond just Aaron Sipos punning for Philadelphia, there was a little. Ooh. Auburn flavor there, but let's let's start things off today, of course, by previewing this Auburn and Sanford game. And uh, as we've mentioned throughout this week, there's obviously not going to be a lot that you can feel immensely confident about just because you see it on the field against Sanford. Case in point, uh, the things that you felt confident about for the after the UMass game, the Cal game was the antithesis of that. <laughs> uh, you felt a little concern, and I say you meaning us right, in general, in not general, just you, Cam Barry. Sure. Uh, we felt a little bit nervous about the rush defense for Auburn. We felt uh, a growing confidence in Auburn's offense. We felt confident it could be a semi-high-scoring game. It was none of those things. Auburn's rush defense was quite good. Their defense in general quite good. Auburn's offense in general quite bad. Uh, some good rushing stuff from running backs, but also fumbles to negate that. And then, of course, the quarterback conundrum. So it is a little bit difficult, admittedly, to look at this Sanford game and say, hey, here's how Auburn can now prove that they are good at blank. That being said, though, there are still do's and don'ts of the game. And so what are some of those, Cam, when you look at Auburn and Sanford and what needs to happen, what should happen, and, and things to avoid, I guess, from this game? Well, I think we should just avoid um, turnovers and mistakes, honestly. And I don't, I don't really expect a lot of that from, from Peyton Thorne and however Robbie Ashford gets his time in there. I just want to limit the mistakes because there were a lot of those. And with the runners, uh, with the running backs, you know, not turning the ball over, um, holding on to the ball, ball security. Maybe all the running backs, you know, Jarquez and Damari were walking around, you know, the entire week with a ball in their hands and, you know, they were knocking it around maybe for ball security. Um, so the, the, those are things that I really want to see. 
see. Um, I, I kind of said earlier in the week, I want to see the wide receivers get some get open. Uh, I'd really like to see a, a really I'd like to see a more on the offensive side in terms of throwing the ball. I just want to see that we can take those shots that Auburn can uh, stretch the field a little bit more because it just seems like. Th- they haven't they haven't been able to do that in two games already uh not really and truly i know they stretched it just a little bit um kind of i think i think auburn was at like the 30 something yard line and Peyton threw a touchdown um to i think it was to to jay fair maybe uh, in the first game against umass if if i remember correctly it was kind of like a seam route down the middle um and that you know that's fine but i want to see real shots i want to you know test the arm of peyton i want to see uh see them test the the sanford secondary and these wide receivers are able to uh dominate their matchups and win uh that's something that i I really want to see from them uh and the defense you know if you can just build off of what happened with cal because people said that you wouldn't you know we were nervous about being them being able to stop the run they did that against a cal defense that or a cal offense that was um you know proficient in the run so that's that's something that i give kudos to the defense so they have to just build on that performance um and really become a truly dominant run stopping defense because i'm not really too worried about the secondary i think the secondary is fine there's plenty of talent out there and we know that for a fact it's it's the line that we were worried about and the linebackers was something that we were worried about well eugene asante has given a lot of reassurance with the linebackers absolutely i think he's really um shored up that that uh that room uh obviously the second linebacker we're kind of worried about and who's going to step up for that but at least you have asante and he has somebody that uh he's somebody that you can rely rely on in the linebacker position in coverage and in rush and and in run run defense and then if the line can just build off of what they did against cal um and, and that top tier talent then you should be fine i'm i i won't be too worried i still think auburn wins by a decent amount but you want to see them execute well um in those situations so that's kind of what i'm looking for tomorrow yeah i think that when you analyze again these type of games i i, I struggle to make the final score uh very relevant other than, of course, make sure you get a win and it's not incredibly close. No, but no. Uh, anywhere between high 20s to high 40s to low 50s, it's all all about the same. I mean, maybe getting the 30s, not high 20s, but anything 30s to 50s is all about the same, in my estimation, uh, in this type of game. What you're looking at is, and to the best of our ability, what we can tell with alignments, because that's something Hugh Freeze has continued to talk about, not being incredibly pleased with alignments pre-snap, especially even defensively where Auburn played incredibly well against Cal. He said there were still about 10 or 11 pre-snap alignments he didn't like that said, hey, we, we got away with it, but we'll always get away with it. And then he also mentioned, like to be fair, I'm I'm going to want that to be zero, right. but zero is not really attainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So single digits is okay. So they're not far off there, but but obviously pre-snap stuff too offensively because that's something that even in the UMass game, despite Auburn scoring 59 points, that's something he singled out about Peyton Thorne prior to the game. And the the theme of this week on this show and I think on a lot of shows has just been that what we saw with Cal just seemed to lack confidence in Peyton Thorne inherently. Like, going into the game already lacked a certain amount of confidence in Peyton Thorne. And I keep saying this. It's one thing for us to observe from the outside. 
and say someone's not doing a great job at blank or maybe you need to look at blank or this guy's just not cutting it. But usually we see that before the coaches seem to make a or a, an action of that right. or act off of it. And it seemed like they were already acting on something that to us, or at least to me, just did not seem like it needed to, to go that direction. So if anything, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think even I'm more confident than Peyton, in Peyton Thorne than maybe the coaching staff is right now. Yeah. Uh, and so I want them to do something on Saturday that makes them feel more confident about Peyton Thorne. Because what I think we all can still see is there's nothing to suggest that Robbie Ashford has taken a huge step as a passer. They're not seeming to show it when he's made a few decisions to throw the ball. They've been very basic stuff uh, and not ideal. And so what we really need to see is instilled confidence in Peyton Thorne to execute the way he did at Michigan State. And again, this does not mean that we're under the illusion that Peyton Thorne was a Heisman-level quarterback, that he's an All-American, anything of that sort. But when you complete more than 60% of your passes in a Power 5 league with a school that did have success, especially two years ago, that is not nothing. That is clearly more than the credentials of previous transfer quarterbacks, such as TJ Finley, such as Zach Calzada, that were coming in this place. Now, also, you can have a decide of how their careers post-Auburn have started at yeah. their various schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, bringing them in based off their experience, that was lesser experience and it was less successful experience than what Peyton Thorne had. So there's still a certain level of confidence I have to a certain point of ability that we've just not had the opportunity to confirm or deny yet because of the lack of passing attempts. So I don't know if there's something that, you know, we, we're going to look at it one way off the Sanford game, but is there something that they can do on Saturday that makes the coaches feel more confident in Peyton Thorne in that passing game? Yeah, I agree, honestly. I'm kind of with you, Ryan, in terms of I'm still pretty pay, uh, pretty confident in, in what Peyton Thorne can do just based off the statistics that he had uh, at uh, at Michigan State. So I just I, I'm curious. I don't know what's gonna make the coaches confident in him. You know, Hugh Freeze has talked about his decision making a lot, and and maybe that's something that has made them nervous. Is that well, if we put him in a situation where he's gonna have to make you know, a couple reads or something like that, he might make the wrong choice and throw it, throw an interception that could, you know, be costly in the, in the long run of the game. I don't know, but you got to test it. You got to try and see what he can do. You know, really just, I think, I think they're being a little, a little too timid. I think they're just, they're, they're not kind of letting him let loose a little bit. I think there's just a lot of pressure um, with, you know, just kind of having Robbie and, you know, Hugh Freeze has been outwardly critical of, of Peyton and saying, you know, he said just, just the other day, uh, that, that both Robbie and Holden Gurner are nipping at his heels. So it's like, well, you know, it's kind of hard to perform when you have all this pressure and, you know, the, you're nervous that the first mistake you make, you're going to get pulled or something like that. So, Maybe it's just a little bit too much pressure that that's on him right now to really perform. So he's not really loose and you know just comfortable in the offense. He just doesn't look comfortable. Um, and I I still want to see if you know if he can just let loose a little bit. If if this Samford game gives him the opportunity to really just let loose, I I, I want to see a lot of pass attempts. I want to see like thirty pass attempts. In this okay, game. that's so that's you know that's the number Steve gave us. The I, other I do. Day. He I, said I thirty see, to thirty five yeah, as a team. I, I want to see a lot of passing attempts in this game. In all honesty, um, just to to really prove that he can sling it. Because again, the stats say that he can. 
So why not just let loose and see see what happens? If it's if if it's not working out and if he he's not completing the passes we feel like he should complete, then okay, maybe it's time to look at something a little different, change the how the offense is being run. But let Peyton play an entire game where it's just him maybe maybe even not even put Robbie in as a factor through the entirety of the game maybe just see if if without Robbie in there without having him you know kind of in the red zone how we, how they've been running the offense switch them back and forth let Robbie get or let uh let Peyton get into a rhythm see if that works out see if the he can get the offense to move the ball and maybe you'll have something. That that's what kind of where I'm at. We just got to see. So this Sanford game is an opportunity to do that because you have you're going to Texas A&M next weekend, and you got to figure out. I mean, the identity of the offense is running the ball. We know that, but you got to be able to pass the ball. You got to be able to stretch the field because if not, then the I mean, you can't run the ball. It's just going to become predictable at that point. So you got to be able to stretch the field some type of way. Um, so with with Peyton, you got to be able to. This should be a game where you give him the opportunity to let loose a little bit and just sling the ball. You bring up something interesting there. Uh, so I want to talk about this. So the messaging continues to be from Hugh Freeze. Robbie Ashford's important. He's going to play, right? That, that's the, the message that's continued. Right. And we all have our varying opinions on what that should look like, if it should look like anything at all. So what about this week? You have the opportunity, because you know this is a team you should still throttle, this is a team that you should be able to guarantee second team gets in, what if you just don't play Ashford in any packages? No! Until you have now made the ability to put your second string in, and then he can run whatever. And I know some people won't see Gurner. The trade-off here is you give Ashford a few drives with everything as you're up 35 nothing, 42-3, whatever in the third quarter, and you just commit to Astrid's not using – we're not doing this package in this game, and there could be a multitude of reasons for that and what it would signify, but he's not doing it. We will promise him his playing time in that he's going to be the second-string quarterback and we're going to get to the second string because we're going to beat Sanford by a lot of points. But what what if you just don't pull the package? Now, The does that mean – you don't use that package against A&M? No, it doesn't at okay. all. It doesn't at all. I'm just saying don't let let's let's focus on letting Peyton get comfortable as a passer. I think that's a high priority thing right now because we know that Auburn's going to be able to run the football. You know that when Robbie gets in there, Auburn's still going to run the football. Whether you know, like I've said on Wednesday, it's got to be creative because the 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 sweeps just kind of are predictable. And with the talent that Auburn's going to be facing down the line, it's that's just not going to work consistently. I mean, even against Cal, it didn't work well. So imagine what the likes of Texas A&M and the likes of Georgia and the likes of you know Alabama even still. You, you, it's just not going to work. So you got to be able to create some creativity at that point. But with Peyton, you just got to get him. Get, you just got to let him get comfortable. You have to. And so if if I'm Hugh Freeze, I'm talking to Robbie. I'm saying, listen, I'm not saying we're not going to use you. I I still want to use you. But right now, I need to get Peyton comfortable in this offense and let him throw the ball some. Yeah. Okay. We need to we need to throw the ball. We need to stretch the field. So I'm not saying I'm not going to play you. I'm not saying you're benched. Nothing like that. This is for Peyton's benefit and his benefit only that we need to get him comfortable and pull out all the stops with the offense. Let him just run it. 
by himself completely in the Samford game. And, and then we'll revisit what your package is and what that looks like and how we'll still be able to use you to benefit us and help us win games. But right now, this is the priority. And I don't want you to feel any type of way about it or anything. But this is how it has to be for this game alone. Because it's going to be a game-by-game -game basis of what's going to make Robbie effective. And right now, and Peyton's going to be playing no matter what. So you got to figure out a way to get him going. You have to because, you're again, you're this is the last game before we get into the SEC schedule, and we're going to need him to pass the ball and pass the ball accurately and be comfortable in the offense if we're going to look to win games. We're going to go to our first timeout of the show, but we're going to continue this conversation after this timeout. We'll continue to talk about the quarterback dynamic and about things we want to see in Auburn-Sanford and just continue this conversation right after this. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Of course, want to remind you that we've got a bunch of football on our Tiger Communication family of stations this weekend, starting tonight with high school football, as you've got the Borgard Hornets, got the Tallahassee Tigers. That airtime is around 6.30 right here on Tiger 95.9. Kickoff shortly after 7 o'clock. Over on FM Talk 93.9, the Smith Station Panthers playing host to Enterprise. That one, same credentials there around a 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff. And over on FM Talk 93.9, after the conclusion of that game at 10 o'clock, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show. And we also don't want you to forget that tomorrow the football does not stop, of course, as we continue on with our Compass Radio Network game of the week. And that will be LSU at Mississippi State. And the airtime for that one's around 10.30 with kickoff shortly after 11 a.m. And again, that is on FM Talk 93.9 as well. So stay tuned to all of the football all fall long. Football. <laughs> Indeed. We continued to preview Auburn and Sanford. Before that break, we were talking a little bit about the quarterback dynamic. And we've been talking about what should occur with quarterback playing time against Sanford and the lack of a Robbie Ashford package or uh, a wait till the entire second string can come on, that sort of thing. And I think this is an interesting conversation because – I feel like I, I, I label me as guilty of it, too. I think we as a collective have focused so much on what this package would or would not be, if it'll be successful or not. But the thing you absolutely have to get right 
is that when Peyton Thorne's on the field, the offense functions well. Has to be. And I think we've, again, myself included, guilty of focusing too much on what the package needs to look like, how often it needs to be out there, and that sort of thing. This game needs to be about whatever the coaching staff can find confidence-wise in Peyton Thorne, and if Peyton Thorne can continue to be more confident in this offense. And if those things start to click, and Thorne is more confident, and the coach is more uh, confident in Thorne, then in general, the offensive success will increase. Because guess what? The Robbie Ashford package is no good if you can't make it inside of a red zone to use as a running threat or as a change of pace or that sort of thing. It can't be a fill-the-holes-in-the-sinking-boat type of scenario like it was against Cal. And so, again, the thing that is most important for me uh, we'll get more keys later in this in the show, and and uh, Brooks Childers, who's normally on the Friday show, delivered some keys to the game that we'll read off later. Is that find a way for the coaches to be more confident leaving this game in Peyton Thorne than they were prior to this game, and some of that's not even to me based off the language of the staff, it's not even going to be what the statistics read. Like, yes, he can't go throw two picks. Yes, he can't be 12 of 24 or whatever. But it's going to be for the coaches a lot about, did he make the right read on the RPO? Absolutely. If I gave Peyton two plays, did he choose the correct play? That sort of stuff. Did he change the protection in the way that I wanted him to? That's the kind of stuff that Hugh Freeze is going to grade, and that's the kind of stuff that the coaching staff is going to become more or less confident in Thorne post this game in terms of can I actually get a game plan that I feel can open things up and be confident and open things up in time for Texas A&M? So that's, that's the slant of the conversation we've not focused, I think, enough on this week or to start the year. But in everything from, yes, stats, but also to just do they run the, the play the right way? Right. Or is everybody moving the same direction? Does Peyton Thorne read the defense properly? I think that's the stuff that's really going to actually entail if the coaches have more confidence in Peyton Thorne. Yeah, I just think he's just so rigid, man. I, I just, I, it just doesn't look comfortable. I, I, and maybe, again, you know, the back of the mind thing about man, you know, if I make a mistake, well, they're going to pull me. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm not going to get the playing time that I probably I came here to get. And and I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think he just needs to be. I, I think they just need to call plays that show they have some type of confidence in him and I I think he just needs to throw the ball I just think he just needs to get comfortable doing it because this lack of I mean only 31 passing attempts in two games no that that's not going to work that's not going to the lack of passing attempts is not going to work. He's got to be able to throw the ball more. It's got to be able to make to. He's got to be able to stretch the field to help the offense um, flow better overall. And then you can. I think that's the first priority. You you work on that. You know that okay. The offense flows well with Peyton. Now we can now we can throw in this extra dimension that is Robbie Ashford and change up things and switch it up and that's how you kind of make make it more interesting. It's like, well, yeah, of course we have this quarterback that can make things work. He can throw the ball. He can you know make the right reads. He can you know RPO whatever, run it a little bit if he needs to, whatever. But we have this extremely dynamic, athletic other quarterback that can uh, run the ball and uh, like like crazy and do different things and, and make things happen with his legs and and that is an extra dynamic that I think is just going to be absolutely I think that would make 
Auburn a much deeper threat than where they than what they are right now because right now it's a obviously they have a run game but the pass game is lacking a lot and and you don't know if you have a quarterback that's going to be able to throw the ball whereas I'm more comfortable in saying you know just they just like to run the ball that's really it I, I don't know it, it, that's I just wanted to pass the ball more I just need to see it and I just need to see that that Auburn's confident in Peyton uh and, and in his decision making I came into the Cal week saying that I was pretty confident Auburn's offense would be good this year, be pretty confident that it will at least develop throughout the year. What Maybe wouldn't be a lead offense, but it would end up being pretty solid. Just need to see more from the rush defense and that sort of stuff, maybe defense at large. Obviously, leaving that game feels a little different. What I do still feel confident in offense is those running backs yeah. and is that running game. Again, the stat I read earlier this week was just running backs running. Okay, no quarterback runs, no sacks, no no knees at the end, just running backs. 23 carries, 130 yards against Cal. That is 5.6 a carry. Now, obviously, you can't have the fumbles that you had, and Austin and Hunter both had one, and the Hunter one almost did Auburn in. Yeah. So those, those can't happen. Cannot. But, again, just as the sample that was provided in that game, you still average five and a half yards a carry against Cal with your running backs. And that gets into, well, you had some Thorn runs that weren't the best. You had Astrid runs that were unproductive. Okay. Maybe just, again, stop worrying about the package so much. Focus on, hey, if my running backs are averaging five and a half yards a carry, how can I continue that? That's what you got to focus on. You build it off of that. And so... Okay, they're going to run well against Sanford, right? And we're not going to get a whole lot of intel on that. But I'm, I think there should still be reason for confidence. They're going to run the ball successfully this year. Absolutely. So I mean, I I don't know how. My my point is, my point is, if you are running that successfully with running backs, does that not diminish the purpose of the package? Agreed. It feels forced. It feels forced, in all honesty, because you've already said that you know. If you're Hugh Freeze, well, yeah, obviously we're going to use Robbie. He's going to have a package. But if that package isn't successful, then why are, why have the package? What What's the point of it if it's not going to bring any any efficiency to the offense? And and if you can't get it right with one guy and you're, you're switching quarterbacks back and forth, nobody gets into a rhythm. You're not having Robbie throw the ball. So you're having Peyton come in kind of cold, kind of lukewarm, whatever, whatever, and throwing the ball not in a rhythm and it, he's just not overall comfortable. It's, it's hindering the offense as a whole. And – Obviously, that's not something that you want. So you want to be able to get Peyton in a in as comfortable of a position as possible. It's clear, you know, there's no like you know Robbie. Robbie said, you know, in the past there was toxicity in the quarterback room. There's none of that this year. So that's good. So Robbie's able to kind of swallow, you know, any bit of you know the the pride and understand that you know his role is obviously very different from the role that Peyton has. But Peyton has to thrive in his role. Uh, first and foremost, for Robbie to be able to be successful in his role. I think they have to go hand in hand. It has to be Peyton's throwing the ball. He's doing well. Everything's going smooth. 
boom, we're throwing in Ashy, uh, 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 Ashy. <laughs> uh, we're throwing in Ashford, and uh, and and all right, he's running the ball. He, he takes a run twenty yards. We go back in. We throw Peyton back in the game. He hasn't lost a step. Another throw down the field. Another slant across the middle. Whatever, whatever. And we're moving the ball seamlessly. It's like there was no switch because Peyton's able to uh, seamlessly go back and forth, and that's how you're able to move the ball successfully. I mean, the run game is going to be working just fine. But it, again, like I said, if you can't pass the ball or stretch the field that game becomes diminished in itself and and it's it's going to hurt the offense as a whole and then you're not going to be able to score a lot of points and then your defense is going to be tired because you're getting on three and outs every every you know every drive and that starts to affect your affect your defense so it just it it has a trickle down effect so you got to be able to to find some sort of balance and efficiency and just like I said, for this game, I just think you should just focus on getting getting Peyton comfortable. I think that should be the first and foremost priority. And just talking to Ashford, sit him down, say, "Hey, I'm not saying we're not going to use you, but we just need we just need to figure this out. This is what we need to figure out for this week and this for our offense to thrive in future games because Peyton has to be comfortable. And if he's not, it's not going to look good. Where it's going to be ugly, and, and Auburn's not going to be able to score any points. Well, and and. Steve brought this up. I'm referencing Steve twice now. I mean, it was a productive call yesterday. So he referenced that, or wondered maybe better better term, what what if they are kind of as a recruitment tool, like continuing to play Ashford or promising Ashford playtime because they're worried he might leave or that sort of thing. And that discussion gets into to rehash some thoughts from yesterday. That discussion gets into, yes, that is more and more prevalent in today's football because with the ability to transfer freely at least once and with NIL, there is always some sort of recruiting going on, even with your own uh, players. But at this point, as Ashford becomes more of a known commodity and it is not necessarily a great commodity, you can't worry about that. No. Uh, No. And – I would hope, and I'm not saying it is because it's early in the year and it's two games, and there's still all 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 the don't you know overreact still applies to one power five game and and one one group of five games so far in the season. But if that is something that we continue to see at the midway point this year, say they do run it against a and m or against Georgia and it just goes nowhere, you can't be married to it. And, and especially, especially not on behalf of trying to keep someone here that I'm sorry I don't see a long-term future for, especially if Walker White comes in here and the way him. people yeah. think he's going to as a top-10 quarterback prospect and, and take hold of this offense. So, I, like, I'm not saying you can't ever try to, like, backdoor it, try and keep a player happy, that sort of thing. But you got to pick and choose your battles. And a guy that's already been in college football for two years that got the quarterback more than half the year last year that you still didn't feel was was improving enough to win a job over a newcomer that you already don't have confidence in, by the way, tells me a lot of why, like, Robbie Ashford, like, sure, you'd love in a perfect world to use the, the, the athleticism. Athlete. yeah. But you can't cater to it. And I know it's year one and – you're not necessarily too worried about, hey, if you win seven seven games this year, it's not going to be an abject failure for the first year, sure. But you can't prevent success from it. I know those are obvious statements there, but 
the more I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, that it almost, it, I can see how one would think that from the outside. The way from the get go, Freeze has said he's a vital part and he's going to play and, you know, he needs to play and that sort of thing. I can see how one would hear that language and think, man, it sounds like they're just playing him hell or high water. Yeah. Why? What are the reasons for yeah, that? And it, then you go down the list of potential reasons for that, and it does include the potential of, hey, he's trying to get him to stay here. Right. And I just, I, I again, I'm not saying that's what's going on. That's not my speculation, but it is a it is a possibility, and it will only become a higher possibility if we're going into game five and game six with a still pretty unproven and unsuccessful right. package that's still still taking place. Yeah, because if you continue to force it and, and it's not being productive, then it's like, well, now you're just playing him for the sake of playing him. And, and what's the – I mean, it's not to be productive on offense because it's not been productive on offense. I get that it worked in the first game, and that's that's – well and great but if it's not continuing to work and it's something that like i've said is because if, if it becomes predictable then it becomes unusable and if you if you want it to remain unpredictable then you have to be able to stretch the field you just have to it's just an absolute must and and if you want to make robbie as effective as possible that is going to be the first step to doing it and i'll say it till i'm blue in the face because it's something that just it just makes too much sense and and i mean that's all you can do at this point you just got to be able to stretch the field and Robbie obviously as a passer is not going to be able to do that so you have to turn to Peyton and make and and make sure it's a, it's an option because it and I don't I don't even think I get I mean I don't even expect you know Robbie to stay honestly even after this season because I don't I don't know like you're expecting this two quarterback thing to work next year like what like what's the plan for this how long is this supposed to go on until Walker White comes in and kind of takes it over and does everything or or what how is that going to play out so it's not it's not a it's not a solution that can work long term it's not and so you got to think at that point well, when are we going to kind of make that transition to a one quarterback system and how is that going to work and whatever package necessary? Because, I mean, you could even throw in like just like looking at Gus Malzahn, right? Obviously, the offense um, when you had John Franklin, if you use Robbie Ashford, like Gus Malzahn used John Franklin the third, that could be that could work. You know, I know he was kind of switching quarterbacks a lot in that season, but uh, if you use him kind of like you use John Franklin the third in that situation, then you might be successful. But other than that, I don't know. I just don't see anything else being all that great for how how Robbie's going to be used. So we'll see. I don't know if he'll stay. I don't know how that's going to play out or how long he's going to be catering to if he wants him to stay or whatever. But um, you got to find a solution that makes the offense uh, uh, smooth, really. Yeah, smoother, more confident, more intentional for sure. We're going to take our final timeout of hour number one. When we come back, we will continue to talk some Auburn football. We'll talk a little bit more defense when we come back, and we'll do that also by revealing Sports Call's Player of the Week. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. 
I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. You just heard former Sports Call co-host Deshaun Davis welcome us back from break. And uh, it's pretty fitting that he did that because we are now set to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Virginia native put the Tigers on his back against Cal, logging 12 tackles, one sack, and one pass breakup. Behind the effort from Asante and the rest of the defense, the Tigers beat the Bears 14-10 to move to 2-0 on the season. After the game, Asante was named SEC Co-Defensive Player of the Week for the first time in his career. Eugene Asante is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So there you have it, Eugene Asante, this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Again, a big impact from Asante and very necessary with the Austin Keys injury, uh, with just uncertainty in the linebacking room. And so far what we've seen is from Asante, likes Donovan Kaufman, who's hopeful to play this weekend. You've seen guys that not necessarily have to be involved in run stop, have to be involved in the line, be very involved at the line of scrimmage, and that has produced, or certainly in the Cal game, produced very good results stopping the run. Yeah, absolutely it has. I mean, the the I really use the, the term, honestly, just gang tackling as a whole. Uh, they've been very aggressive, and obviously the motivation with Cal was um, – was what Jaden Ott was saying in the press, and and so obviously the defense came with a lot more fire. Um, but you want to maintain that fire, honestly. As as the season goes on, you you know that kind of some some people think, okay, well, you know, we might be able to run on Auburn's defense. Well, hopefully after the Cal game, and and as you get into the Samford game and go into Texas A&M, you're, you're proving to teams, no, we're, we're not as easy to run on as you think. We have more pieces than you think. Um, and, and Auburn will be able to uh, just build off of what they did against uh, a highly talented run offense in Cal. So this Samford team that comes in here, not really much of a rush team. They are uh, at the FCS level a passing team. Their quarterback, Michael Hires, is thrown for over 300 yards. In both their games, even in the loss to Western Carolina when they lost 30-7, to I uh, threw for over 300 yards, one TD, no picks. Uh, so that's a passing team, which, again, sets up pretty well for Auburn's DBs. Uh, could that provide a random freak big play? Sure, that can happen from time to time. I uh, highly doubt we see what happened to Dan Mullins right. last voyage there in Florida in 2021 when it was 70-52 to Florida and Sanford. <laughs> Good grief. Uh Last Wild. year, Sanford played a, for, for by, by their standards there, a, a respectable game against Georgia. I believe only dropped at 33-0 to zero, uh, in Athens. So the Bulldogs have had a couple of more successful than normal FCS results against some of the uh, SEC schools here, uh, but still not anticipating anything. Again, certainly like 7-52. Want to see, though, as we've talked about some – some different offensive concepts, but I think that Sanford's defense is, is, again, not the high point. Western Carolina was doing a lot, both ground and air against them. Uh, but, but defensively, 
I think it's safe to say that you're just trying to gain more health. You're trying to gain more health. I know Nixon got banged up. I know Jalen McLeod has been banged up. Some corners for Auburn getting banged up in the last game. You had Donovan Coffin go out with a little bit of an injury. Like I said, he's still hoping to play tomorrow. Uh, so, this, you know, this is it's one of the – I don't want to say cop-out answers, but it's one of the generic answers about games like this where it's like, yeah, just get healthy. Yeah. Offense, we agree that's not the case. You need to do things. Obviously, you don't want injuries, but uh, there's real things to figure out offensively. Defensively, though, this is certainly one of those where you just avoid injury, avoid anything catastrophic in terms of a bunch of big plays, uh, and you you get ready for A&M. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, get right. A a good get right game for the defense. Again, like I said, just continue off what you did against Cal. Uh, you know, like you said, Ryan, this is going to be a team that's going to drop back to pass a good decent amount. So the pass rush just needs to be present. Uh, they need to be, you know, I mean, in the backfield, living back there as much as they possibly can. Uh, the DBs, I mean, they just need to continue to do their jobs. I, I think, uh, like we can all agree, that that's one of the more talented rooms that we that Auburn has um, on the field. So just kind of build off of that and and continue to dominate on on the outside if if you can as a DB and uh, the safeties. Just you know. <laughs> Don't let any too, too big a plays happen. Just no, you know, protect over the top. It's really what it is. Nothing behind you, right? And 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 as you know that, like you said, it's just a game to get healthy and get right up for the defense and continue to build off of what they've done uh, against Cal and get ready for Texas A and M because they're going to try and put up a lot of points. Yeah, Connor Wegman did have a good game against Miami, albeit in the loss, albeit with a couple turnovers. He was productive moving the ball, but. Yeah, Sanford should not be having anyone that you have to just absolutely worry about over the top. Should be able to be uh, fairly aggressive if you want to be. Also, Western Carolina sacked Sanford six times last weekend. So, great opportunity for Auburn's pass rushers to get some good licks in there and uh, and that sort of thing. And so, again, I, I I feel uncomfortable not because it's like some important guess on situations where does do teams like this actually score points when do they score the points that sort of thing because ultimately i'm just not going to to take much stock into it as long as sanford's not racking up 300 yards the first half or something or 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 three touchdowns something egregious you're just not going to find me to care much about it so if you're asking does auburn uh, shut out sanford again i think they've shut them out 17 or 18 times out of the 29 meetings you know maybe, maybe but certainly could but could Sanford make a couple big plays and, and or you know can Auburn have a turnover that sets you up you know that that sort of stuff is always really hard to predict so I'm not going to tell you if, if Sanford's going to get shut out or not but certainly not expecting him to go up and down the field and uh, pretty confident this Auburn defense went healthy to be able to make a lot of positive plays we are out of time for the first hour of the show but stay tuned coming up in hour number two We're going to get into some of the other college football storylines across the country, kind of get you set for some of the SEC action and more coming up this weekend in college football with Cam Berry. My name is Ryan LaVoy, one hour in the books. We return right after this.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Get you set. About 26 hours away from Auburn and Sanford, the third game of the season, which after it's complete, that's the quarter mark of the year. 25% of it will be over. I know I'm going to depress people by putting it that way, so uh, just forget I said that and we move on. Uh, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call on the orthopedic clinic phone line today. We go to that phone line for the first time. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Steve! Steve, you there? Steve, are you there? Apparently, Retire Ward Damn Steve is not there. We had ah. this we had this problem the, the other day where uh, Steve was mid-conversation giving us a Deion Sanders quote and cut out. So, Steve, give us a, a call back there, and we'll uh, we'll get you going here to we start hour number you, two. Uh, as I believe he is calling back in Alrighty right then. now. So go ahead and put him straight on. Uh, Steve, are you there? I'm here, guys. All hey, right, good deal. I took a uh, quick uh, break there. You caught me. Yeah, no, I went to you quick, man. I mean, we were, uh, we were ready to start off the second hour strong. Okay, well, let's get going. All right, I'm going to keep this really – uncharacteristically short uh, for you guys with me. All right. About uh, the uh, the passing thing that we were debating yesterday, how about let's have a little uh, I guess, uh, friendly, well, I guess, wager anyway. I'm going to make it 30, okay, like Vegas would do. Now, the total is 30 pass attempts Okay. for, for tomorrow, and that doesn't matter if it's Peyton Thorne, combination of him and Ashford or whoever. Now, do you want that under. Do I want it under, or do, am I just saying, am I going to select the under there? Do, do I, you want to take over 30 pass tips, or do you want to go with under 30 pass tips? Uh, so, I would hmm. go probably slightly under. I, I, That's what I was going to say. I, I think that they'll probably end up in the mid to upper 20s I was gonna, as a team. Dang, you read my mind, Ryan. Do yeah, I... I do I want to see over thirty as yes. we've talked about earlier this week? I think Cam definitely wants to. I just I don't have a number in mind personally of what I want to see happen. I just want it to be successful. Uh, don't don't make it ten passes. To be fair, something in the twenties is fine though if you're successful. If you've got all the pre snap breeds down, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't want I I want over thirty, 
but I I will be okay if it's like 25 to 28 pass attempts. I would I would be perfectly happy as long as it is as long as these are throws and it's consistent, like a consistent stretching the field of the offense, then I'm fine. I I I I don't know if you heard it in the first hour, Steve. I just want to focus on getting Peyton comfortable. That's what I want. So as however many pass attempts that takes, and I think it'll be more than twenty, but less than thirty, then that's fine. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with over thirty. Here's my reasoning. Uh, call me crazy, but did he pass for seventeen uh, against Cal? How many? How you're saying? Didn't he have seventeen attempts? Yes. Uh, I think he finished at. Uh, sure, I thought he finished at fourteen. And, it fourteen. And the team might have been at seventeen. Yeah, fourteen attempts. Yeah. Yeah. Ashford had That's three. Right. Ashford so, had three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and I'm going. Okay. If you went with fourteen in that fiasco, surely he can go for twenty-five uh, against Sanford. Yeah. And then the five, the other five, can be between Ashford and, uh, and Gurner. I mean, it doesn't even matter to me. I want to see. I, I, I want to see it from Peyton alone. That's that's. I I don't. I don't care how often Robbie throws the ball because he's not going to be throwing the ball consistently. It do, it's not going to matter. I just I just don't see that Freeze is going to have him throwing the ball like that at any point in time in the season. So I just want to focus on Peyton getting the ball and throwing the ball. That's what that's what I want to see. So if we're just talking individually, I want to see. All 25 of those attempts, however many it is, come from Peyton Thorne. Okay. I, I love that. That's, that's why I want to see it, too. Uh, about uh, Robbie Ashford, guys, well, what what do you see going forward as being his, his role? Because uh, I've you know, I, I read it, I'm sure you, the comments from uh, Coach Freeze is that, you know, he's not going to do any more of this, you know, like we did at the Calgate, uh, insert somebody in and then take him back out and insert him in again. Uh, he wants to see, you know, rhythm there. So if that's the case, what do you see as being the role uh, going on uh, from here on out with Robbie Ashford? I, I don't know what his role is going to be. Obviously, um, Hugh Freeze loves the athleticism that Robbie brings to the table. But again, like I said earlier, the the way that Robbie can be the most impactful is when those plays can become unpredictable. When you can throw Robbie in in a in a, in a situation where it's necessary for him to run the ball and he can be successful. Because if not, then he's not going to be of any use and the package won't be of any use at all whatsoever. Well, when you say in something that would be inserting in when it's unpredictable, but I can't even figure that out because every time he goes in, the opponent's going to know, well, he ain't going to throw it. Right. It's got to be a miss. It's got to be creative. Whatever, however that is, it's got to it's got to change. It's got to be more creative. It's got to be some misdirection runs, some different reads, something that even if he just hands the ball off, because then you're saying, okay, well, it's not automatically going to Ashford. It might. We have to still account for the running back. It can't be that Ashford's going in there and it's always going to go to him. It's got to be able to say, well, he might just hand the ball off, or it's going to be, you know, a misdirection play, a trick, something, something different, something creative. That was my. I said that on Wednesday. However, how, how that plays out is for Robbie to be successful is that has to become more creative. All right. Well, then how about this creative proposal? <laughs> and I'd love to see you do it because they did it uh, with a Cam Newton member in the Ole Miss game where he went out. Uh, I forgot who was that threw the ball to him, but he caught a touchdown Probably Cody pass. Burns, if I had to guess. Was that who it was? Yeah, I believe Probably. so. Well, how about that? 
how about let's have him go out, you know, uh, and he catches a, um, you know, a pass, you know, maybe thrown by Peyton Thorne. I think that uh, what Tom earlier this week was talking about that if if they do that package he or if he if they have the Ashford package he wants to see Thorne on the field at the same time and if that were to be the case then that scenario would happen well, now creativity yeah I, creativity so, you know I think what the the difference there is you know Ashford could have enough speed or hopefully uh, he would be able to run right past somebody uh, and so. You know, I, I, it would definitely be a trick play. It'd be one of those plays where it either works and you look like a genius or you don't, it doesn't work and you look stupid. But, uh, you know, they, we all agree they will have to do something other than just quarterback sweep if they're going to make that package successful and uh, if that's going to actually be a valuable part of the offense. Okay. Now, uh, what do you expect of the, the total, I guess, uh, it's be, you know, um, wasn't Carolina scored how many against them? 30. Uh, was it 30? 30 to 30, 7. Right? Yep, 30 okay. to 7. Well, I'm thinking surely we can somehow manufacture at least 45 points against them. Yeah. Uh, UMass scored, what was it? Or Auburn scored 59 on UMass. And uh, again, it, you get into the business late in games of, of who's out there doing what and. And what exactly is going on? But but uh, yeah, no, I think that Auburn can can absolutely score forty five. I would I would expect them to finish in the fifties. But again, once you get to the end, you know, it it, it could be kind of difficult to see how the last five to ten minutes of a game like that play out. Yeah, we're not worried about like if Auburn's going to blow out Samford or how that's going to play out. I, I think that's going to happen no matter what happens. But we're we're focused on the execution if if this this is going to be a game that's an opportunity to get right and really get the offense especially the passing offense really flowing and that's something that is a major focus if we're going to want to win games in the sec right uh so tell me this you know vegas has not put up a line on this game if you were vegas what would you make the line be for saturday uh, like uh, forty nine and a half or something like that, because that would be fifty two to three, forty eight and a half maybe, something in there, high forties. Okay, so yeah, you're you're gonna go to the the, the half of five then. Okay, I always go halves because uh, you don't want to push. I don't like pushes. You can't push a half. So I always like to go halves. Something like something in the high forties is what I'd go. Okay, I got you. That's good. All right, uh, guys. Uh, Saturday. Is the 83 team being honored? The 83 team for homecoming? I, I'll double-check right. that. I'll, I know they're honoring, know they're honoring different teams. three uh, teams throughout the year. Yeah. Right. Not 100% sure on that, um, as Ryan. I know the 93 of, team is being honored, the 2010-13 uh, team. But is the 83 team one of the teams being honored tomorrow, uh, Saturday? Yeah, no, they're doing them in, in separate games. Uh, no, the the eighty three team uh, will be the Georgia game. Uh, the the ninety the ninety three team will be the Ole Miss game, and the twenty thirteen team will be the the, uh, the uh, Alabama Iron game. Bowl. Yeah, so so not yet. Yeah. Eighty three team is the Georgia game. Gotcha. Okay, uh, moving on real quickly uh, to the Braves. Uh, I was hearing the uh, commercial during your break. Uh, is it not a done deal yet that the Braves will be the number one overall home team? I mean, it's not done deal, but I mean, the the ink is 
is getting prepared to be written on the paper. I mean, they're up, I think it's seven and a half games when the Dodgers with yep. about 15, 16 to play aside. And Braves have a tiebreaker, so it really functions more like eight. And uh, it's the, the if the Braves even went eight and eight in the last 16, it, it'd be a, even if they went seven, seven and nine, I mean, they'd have it. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a formality. Okay, so they really do have it locked. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Okay. Now, what about their breaking the home run record season, the home run record? Is that still doable? Yes. Oh, yeah, still doable. Still on pace to do it, but just by a couple. So, again, that that will come down to the the very last week, and that's something that the, the team can still collectively try and do. And obviously, you don't want to ruin your swing trying to go go yard, but uh, no, that, that will come down to the last week of play. Okay, so this is a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not being uh, to be humorous here, but unlike the NBA, uh, because of their you know stars being you know bitched or sitting down or rested, uh, do you see that happening uh, with the Braves sitting down their star players? No, uh, not we don't get the home run record. Not in baseball, and, and not and <clears throat> I, just because of the way that the the playoffs work, because the Braves will already be sitting right. for a few days, and again, there's all sorts of stuff about losing your timing and that sort of thing if you miss too many days there's there's honestly some people that even think it is a disadvantage to have a buy uh if you're a top okay. seed because you 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 break rhythm in, in some regard so no they will they they'll do little things like pitch counts will be a little bit lighter for some of the starters and again they might pull someone in the eighth or ninth inning of a blowout but they're 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 going to be playing their players okay do you see this Miami series as being a real uh, challenge for the Braves? I think so because of the alcohol consumed over the last 48 hours. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. All right. With that, guys, I said I was going to make this short, so I'm trying to keep my word. That's it. Uh, either you guys going to the game in any fashion? Yes, I will be there uh, doing videography for my other job, but I'll, I'll be there. And I, I will not. I'll be in Tampa this weekend. Oh, are you going to home game then? Yep, home game against the Bears. The Bears. Bears. Okay. Well, have enjoyable trips. Thanks, and, sir. Uh, we'll talk to you when you come back. And, uh, Cam, enjoy your, your videotaping. And, guys, have a safe weekend. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, if you get in trouble, please don't let anyone find out about it. Absolutely. All right, guys. War Eagle. And we'll talk to you on Monday. War Eagle. War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour. Back with more from the college football world. We'll start to look at some other matchups coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Just talked to Retire Ward M. Steve on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's look at some other matchups across the country this week and not as many games worth deep diving, admittedly. I did look this up and confirm this is, in my opinion, the worst week of college football as a slate uh, of the season. Even the weekend where Auburn plays New Mexico State and Alabama's got a small opponent prior to the Iron Bowl, that week is Tennessee-Georgia, which obviously will mean a lot to the East. That'll be fun. Or at least we figure it will. There's a USC-UCLA matchup, which is top 25 for now. I think there was one other top 25 matchup or something appealing, maybe like a Washington and uh, something. I, I don't, I don't Washington, Utah. I don't know. So, something else, maybe in the Pac-12 of, of, of worth watching. So this, this is the weakest slate. This weekend is the stereotypical weekend where it could be a nothing burger. There could be absolutely nothing like big picture wise that you feel too certain about. Or you could have some home teams causing chaos against ranked teams. And so I'll go through some of these top 25 games. Michigan State hosts number eight, Washington. Okay, that's a game that, again, on the surface, does not seem very appealing. Seems like Michael Penix will throw for all the yards. Yeah. But if it's 24-21 start the fourth quarter, you got to check in and see what's going on. Uh, LSU at Mississippi State. Again, that's on FM Talk 93.9. You want to listen to that game at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Again, Mississippi State's the home team there. Kansas State, number 15, going to Missouri, former Big 12 matchup. Again, on the surface, do I think Missouri's winning? No, I do not. If it's close late, will you turn it on? Yes, you will. Uh, You've also got number 11, Tennessee at Florida. Don't know as much as maybe we wanted to after the Tennessee-Virginia game, just how lackluster Tennessee played against Austin Peay last week. Florida. Is already kind of forgotten about because of the Utah game, but like this is their first real good home game. I think they played McNeese State last weekend, beat them as they should. So you know, did did we write off Florida too early, or did they deserve to be taken off the, the page? I mean, we'll see. <coughs> so stuff like that. That's that's your kind of stuff this weekend. There's also some non-ranked games. BYU Arkansas. Like make sure Arkansas doesn't have a whoops moment. They beat BYU pretty easily last year. Scored a lot of points. But Arkansas hasn't been looking too impressive from right. a scoring perspective. You know, TCU at Houston. Um, there's also uh, in the SEC. I'm not going to talk about Vandy and UNLV. Please don't. Uh, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Yeah. You know, something like that. Georgia Tech looked uh, looked so competent, competent against Louisville. God, Haynes so competent. King was playing pretty well. He was. That over. was a solid game. And then they collapsed. Yes, they did. <sighs> he, he fumbled and stood there in the pocket and stood there in the pocket. And uh, then Louisville. Ends up beating Georgia Tech there. I have a little love in my heart for Georgia Tech. Yeah, well, well you're an Atlanta guy. Yeah, makes sense. I have a little. And you're bit. certainly not a Bulldog guy. No. So again, makes sense. Yeah. So some of this stuff. Let's let's stick with the SEC stuff for now. Like something like LSU Mississippi State to start the day. Yeah. Mississippi I mean, State gets a P five win last week. It wasn't overwhelming, but again, the uh, SEC can't be. Uh, can't be two can't be beggars and choosers this weekend or this past weekend when they've had trouble with some out of conference games. So, you think LSU writes the ship here, or do you think that 
there are looming concerns with what happens to the Tigers this year. I mean, they have to write the ship, right? I mean, if you want to continue to have implications of, of what you what you had last year, you just gotta you just gotta get right. If you're if you're Brian Kelly and and, and LSU and Jaden Daniels, you you gotta find something. So this is kind of your your first your first step forward. Uh, you you got to go in there and and you know Mississippi State is overall not they're not an overwhelmingly great team they're not even probably overwhelmingly a good team but um, you got to just work watch out watch out for Will Rogers and if you can you know keep that air raid offense from well, so actually oh. they're not air raid anymore oh yeah they, they, go actually, look, go look right at now. the rushing total I'm looking right yeah. now actually. Okay, so they have a lot of they have a very steady run game. Yeah. I, I so I take that back actually. So, rest in peace to the air. Yeah, raid, right. Yeah. Rest in peace to the air raid, man. That's that's surprising actually. Um, but uh, I mean, if they're going to be running the ball, then then you got to focus on stopping the run. I mean, that's where you're at. Then uh, still, Will Rogers is always going to be a threat because the, the the dude has an insane arm, but. Stopping the run, then that's going to be the priority. Uh, you know, since they've switched offenses, man, that is surprising. And I mean, looking yeah. at the averages right now, I mean, the only average in uh, 194 and a half yards per game, which yeah. is not even I haven't close. thrown around much. Yeah. yeah, and then they're averaging 221 in rushing yards. So I'm sure not they too could bad. throw uh, success oh, yeah. when they need to. Right. I, I will be interested to see what their play balance is like against LSU, their first game that they are not favored in. Because even against Arizona, they were favored. They led right. most of that game. You know, I, I like this test a little bit more for LSU now that Mississippi State is not air raid. Air raid is, was just something that is it – it, it's, it's almost the invert of the triple option Yeah, where it's just like it's a unique thing. It's cool. I'm not belaboring it or I'm not disrespecting it. But – it doesn't really help you with a lot of the things you need to do successfully against the big teams. Right. And the triple option, certainly, but even the air raid, I feel that way because there's just not teams that chuck 50 times a game, no. you know? And, and so I feel a little bit better that Mississippi state is balanced just in terms of what did LSU struggle with? Well, they struggled with a lot of things, but they really struggled to get a lot of pressure on Jordan Travis yeah. and they struggled to uh, make negative plays in the backfield for a defense that I feel is really talented. The piece about Harold Perkins like just not being talked about enough. Being he's used being well at all. Mis- he's being completely misused. He's out coverage. You know, Why? and it's like it's I, I just Why? I think of him very highly, so forgive yeah. me for this this comparison. But that's like if an NFL team is like you know, in in his prime, it's like, you know what, Von Miller, I really like you on the tight end. Right. Or I really like you spying the quarterback. Yes, yeah, so you might need to tackle the quarterback, but we don't want you to do that in the backfield. We want you as like the last resort tackle. That's not an educated not way to use not your smart. best pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And okay. so hopefully else you learned there and screw whatever they're trying to think of schematically. Yeah, no. He needs to be rushing the passer, period. Absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, yeah. I want to see them do that. Like if I'm if I'm from afar, I want to see them say, Harold, you know what? You're just going to go get Will Rogers, and I don't care how many times they throw it. You're going to go create chaos in the backfield. That's what I want to see LSU. I want to see them be more physical, use him in a smarter way. I still trust in general Jaden Daniels. Is the rest of the receiving core good enough uh, beyond Malik Neighbors? I don't know yeah. yet. Yeah. That time will tell on that. But it, let me just pr- provide this argument for the SEC West as a whole. 
There are many people sounding alarms in Alabama after week one, after week two. Yeah. And I have looked at it because people present me with alarm sounding, and I then present with counterpoints to that. So let me present the counterpoint to the counterpoint, which is if you're the rest of the SEC West and you just saw the Alabama lost and you think that Alabama might be on the, on some sort of struggle bus right. because of quarterback play, this is your moment it to is. go do that. A, this is the last, last time we have division. So now you're going to be lumped in. If you believe Texas yeah. is back, you're lumped in with Texas next year. You're lumped in with Tennessee, Georgia, all yeah, that good all stuff. If you're LSU, yeah, you sucked week one. It wasn't good at all in the second half. You didn't up. take advantage of the red zone the first half. You could still win the West. Absolutely. Figure it out. It wasn't a conference loss. Figure it out. You've got the showdown on Bryant-Denny. You'll have that opportunity. If you're Ole Miss, who was, in my opinion, in, in various ways, unimpressed against Tulane, and this is – I'm having I cake and eat it, too. You were impressed? I was not. Oh, you were not impressed. Mm-mm. I'm having cake and eat it, too. Yes, I respect Tulane. I, yes, I said that. I think Tulane is not bad. I think that they deserve to be ranked in the preseason. Uh, they did not have Michael Pratt in that game. Yeah. That is their all-time program record holder in a lot of ways at the quarterback position. That was no small thing. And so I, I think something of Tulane. However, it was not good that Quinshaw Junkins was getting stuffed. Yeah. That Ole Miss could not run at all. That Ole Miss, after having a three-play pass fest to start the game, yeah. scoring in a minute, did score another touchdown that half. That Those were not good things. No. And so... Still, if you're Ole Miss, though, with those problems, if you think Bama's leaking anything or is in any way endangered, Pounce. why can't you go do it? Have to. Because LSU has a problem, and Alabama has a problem, so you go do it. Now, right. Ole Miss's problem is also schedule-wise, because they had to play Georgia, too. Yeah. So they really have to be perfect with their West uh, teams, assuming they're going to lose to Georgia. Right. So Ole Miss's path is tough. But if you're Ole Miss, go go up and do it. And that's also why you've got to be in College Station right now, really upset. Now, you haven't lost a conference game yet, so that's that's good. But you've got to be really demoralized that you gave up half a hundred yeah, yeah. to Miami after shutting them completely down last year. Because if you're A&M, a team that's played Bama close two years in a row, including getting a victory in 21, why not you? From right. a from a just a pure talent perspective, yeah. why not? And the fact that you know what, if you ignoring defense for a second, you know what, offense is improving. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we quote just say fixed and move on because I, well, I got to see more. Right, but it's better. It yeah. it is there is reason for optimism with Connor Wigman and and Bobby Petrino in that offense. Reason for optimism, and then your defense just absolutely shellacked. Yeah, but again, why not you? At the end of the day. And so the West is now got a little bit more of a... as wide open as it could be. Yeah, a little bit more of a an opening just because of what's going on with quarterback at Alabama. And, and there's some other issues, too, based off the Texas game that I don't necessarily think will be exposed to the M degree, especially at home throughout the year with a lot of the big games. But nevertheless, like... Bama doesn't lose non-conference games. They certainly don't lose them at home. So it's like it's it's a it's a new thought process to work through. Where it's like, it's well, different. how how beatable are they, and yeah. and how can we get this done? And again, I proposed earlier this week. Well, for Bama, you're looking at it, and I just told you the flaws of LSU, Ole Miss, and A and M, 
right? And you certainly don't think Mississippi State. No. And based off of Auburn's offense against Cal, you don't think it's time for Auburn yet. And then that only leaves Arkansas, and they've been a little lackluster. Yep. It's, it, like, if Sam Pittman went to a conference title game, I'd be floored. <laughs> like, just as a concept would be absolutely right, right. good for him. Shook, shocked. He's going to enjoy Very him a cold surprised. one. Yeah. But would be at, does no, not feel no, like not that will happen yeah, at all. No. So your other contenders all have real issues, but they still have real opportunities. So I guess this week, and we'll get to a couple of these other games, this week is about stabilizing if you're these top contenders in the West. Can LSU regain the physicality, regain the sense of what to do defensively? Can Ole Miss run the ball all over Georgia Tech? Run it, run it down their face. Yeah. Into their eye hole, out the end zone. Got to run for 250. Got run to. all over them. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you do that? And then for, I guess A&M's got like, uh, they had New Mexico week one. A&M's got right. somebody week. They, they, they really, their, their test will be Auburn in two weeks. Right. Uh, those teams, right that ship. You know, Alabama, in case you have not heard, they're going new quarterback, South Florida. They did make that pull that trigger today. They're going to go with Tyler Buckner, the transfer out of Notre Dame. So Milrose benched. Good idea to do it this game, honestly. We hadn't really focused too much on the long-term quarterback battle, although our, our friend Anthony called in about it a little bit yesterday. That This game makes sense for them. Yeah. Because they're not losing to South Florida. I think they're favored by like 38 or 36 yeah, or something like that. it was something like that. So they're not losing – even if Buckner's terrible. Uh, so let's see how the Tommy Reese-Buckner dynamic has right. worked. How, and that, how that connection plays out. And, and look, you to some degree, the, the point always remains when you pull quarterbacks, does Milrose confidence get shot? I can't tell you that. I, I don't, I've not spent enough time analyzing the kid uh, and just like how he would respond to something like that. But to me, this makes sense because if Milrose passes like that, plays the quarterback position like that against Texas, inevitably they will mess up and lose again. Yeah. And if you lose a second time, then you're guaranteed absolutely nothing in terms of playoffs. You might still win the West, depending who that slip-up was to. Right. But then at 10-2, and having to play Georgia, you know, I mean, mean, you're uphill climb to make a playoff at that point. You know that's the goal. So starting Buckner there makes sense. Your gut feeling, does this end up in Buckner succeeding and actually looking pretty decent, or do you think that's going to be a carousel this year? I don't know. I, 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 I Just based off what I saw from Buckner at Notre Dame, I wasn't relatively impressed. Um, but, you know, you can – Take wash that whatever new you know you're on a new team that's fine same offensive coordinator so you got to see you know maybe that connection does work maybe the Tommy Reese and, and Buckner connection works maybe that's something that they should have went with from the start and maybe Saban was like well no Milrose my guy you know I want to give him a shot first and maybe you know we'll see doesn't seem like anybody really separated themselves even during camp and obviously like you said the the I mean the court like. It was say the the quarterback battle is kind of going to go into the season, and now you know they've made the change. So I, I don't I I don't know if Buckner will be the long term solution. I would think that he would be just because of the connection that he has with Tommy Reese. So maybe he'll run the offense better, but it could really go either way. I, I just I'm not sure. It could really go either way. And I mean, if he doesn't play well this game, 
then we might be seeing Tyler Simpson. So, but see, here's no the thing telling. about that because I just talked about everyone's opportunity. Say he does play poorly. Now, to be fair, even Milrow played great against what was a Middle Tennessee to start yeah, the year. Right. So, Butner could play pretty well, and we still not know what we need to know because again, right. that's the nature of playing a certain kind of opponent. Absolutely, they do have to figure this out rather quickly. Because then it would start to hurt because the next week you play Ole Miss. Yeah. And now it is at home. Again, the toughest road games for Bama this year, obviously it flips. Last year they were going through the gauntlet. They had Texas on the road. They had uh, LSU on the road. They had Tennessee on the road. All all those things. Right. This year they got them all at home. So the biggest road games are at A&M and at Auburn. Uh, Because with all due respect to Kentucky, I'm certainly not thinking their Eastern Kentucky performances are going to bode well. Right. Uh, And then Mississippi State's the other road game, and I just again I have my my doubts unless they go in and beat LSU, and then then we're talking about on to something. Yeah, we're talking to Mississippi State. But the Ole Miss is next week. Right. So if Simpson were to, or excuse me, if Buckner were to go, let me just give you generically not awful, but kind of stat line. Let's give you 18 to 30, 200 yards, touchdown, and a pick. 60% 60% passer, a little over 10 yards completion, touchdown, and a pick. Who are you starting against Ole Miss? Yeah, Is that enough? I, I, I start Buckner. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I roll with it because, all right, you know, that's not bad, 60%. Because it's okay. not. It's also not as good as Milrose Middle Tennessee no. game. But yeah, no. See, it's now not, you just get, you not. know, it's but, tough. Yeah, I mean, then you're, you know, you're really, you're really nitpicking at that point. You got to, you got to see because then, I mean, Milrow brings more in terms of running to the table, so then maybe that, you know, adds an extra dimension to your offense, which it can be. But sometimes, you know, just in that Texas game, he took just he just was a, he just hung out in the pocket a little bit too long, and sometimes he would clear out of clean pockets too quickly. So it just seemed like he was just a little a little too antsy in there, um, and just wouldn't make the right decisions and the right reads and things like that. So. Um, that's kind of something that you've already seen from Milrow. Maybe Buckner is able to do it. If he's throwing a pick against against South Florida, though, and then you're kind of like, eh, what's he going to do against Ole Miss? And so then, like I said, you're nitpicking. So I, I don't know. I mean, I would think that you give him two games, though. You know, you give him a, a, a relatively easy game and then a tough game. I mean, not to say Ole Miss is the toughest game, right. but it's tougher than Top South three. Florida. Right, right. You know, so so – and then just like Milrow had the opportunity against Texas. Now, the I mean, Bama was still able to put up points, you know, but, I mean, ultimately they still didn't end up winning the game, and that had obviously plays to defense and some of the issues that they have on that side of the ball. But um, the, the offense did have its issues where it did get stunted and, and it had a, its own set of problems. So um, – I would give Buckner another chance just to see, you know, how he goes up against the tougher competition that would be Ole Miss. And it's just and then you go from there. Then then you got to make a decision. I I don't even know if you see Simpson. Maybe not. Maybe you don't see Simpson at all. But you got to make a choice at that point. You got you're four games in. So and so listen to this. So that you say, well, that line doesn't sound realistic for Buckner. It's Alabama. It's South Florida. They're gonna. Whether they do complicated stuff enough, they're going to put up yards. He's going to do better than that. You do that I accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally almost gave you his line against Marshall. Marshall was right. Oh gosh! <laughs> so against Marshall last year, he's at Notre Dame. That's oh, not some small school, by the way. Right, right. Eighteen of thirty-two, 
201. Yeah. No touchdowns, two picks. Yeah, they, they that lost. was a bad game. They lost. Yeah, and that was a huge win so, for Marshall. And so, and his only other games, you know, before that, it was 10 of 18, 177 yards, no touchdowns, no oh, picks against gosh. Ohio State. He looked, yeah. And against South Carolina, you like eight, uh, 18 and 33, eh? 54.5%. 273 yards, good. Three touchdowns, good. Three picks. Yeah. So, so he's, that's he's, his three games at Notre Dame. And he's going to give you some touchdowns. He's going to give you some picks. And he's so th- gonna, he's that's gonna, why I'm saying, yeah. like, if he is lacking. He's going to turn the ball over. If he gives you a Marshall S line against South Florida, <sighs> what do you, I, are you even, do you even go with that? Or oh, do you just go back to Miller? Ugly. Man, because I'm, I remember watching that game too, and I was like, dude, this guy stinks. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just being straight up, and that was no connection to Bama at that point whatsoever. I'm sure. watching this, yeah, oh yeah, right, and I'm like, we didn't know, not yeah. good, you know, not great. And so, uh, man, I don't know that. Uh, just watching that game in general, I remember, and it, it's again, it's a potential conundrum. Yeah, I mean, it could be absolutely, they, they, and then that's not their only issue. But it, I mean, quarterback is something that's not been an issue no. for them in a, a incredibly long right. time. No. It is. And it, that that's a real thing. And I, I'm sure they'd rather prefer have Mississippi State next up than right. Ole Miss. Yeah. But like I said, Ole Miss is one of the two or three teams that actually would have a shot at the thing. Shot at beating them, shot at winning the West. And so if they lose that game, and it's their second loss, and now they got a conference loss against a team that could do something, I mean, I mean you're – Defcon won yeah, Def at Con that won. point. It, it I'm like you're you're completely panicked for the yeah. year. You, yeah. you, you control nothing. You don't <laughs> no. control your destiny at all. So absolutely not. It, it is a problem. It's going to be very interesting to see him against South Florida. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. We're going to take one final timeout of the four o'clock hour. When we come back, a few more thoughts on the Southeastern Conference coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The sports call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry with you here. Final three or four, five minutes of the first hour, or excuse me, the second hour of the program. Now, if this was like 2019, this would be the first hour of the program. Right. Back to our four to six <laughs> days, but uh, decidedly three hours now. Yep. Uh, so just a few minutes left in the hour. We talked on the other side of the break a little bit about Alabama's quarterback change, a little bit about LSU, Mississippi State, a little bit about Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Florida. This is going to be a game that, again, falls under that definition of games I was previewing earlier where you just want to kind of – maybe you don't commit yourself to that game. Maybe you just want to snoop around the score. Right. You know, investigate after a quarter, after a half. 
see what's up in the third quarter. And if it's still a one-possession game, then kind of see what's going on there. I, I mean, of the Saturday slate, if I'm watching football, probably admittedly we'll be watching most of, if not all that game in its entirety. I think it is a night game. Uh, again, take inside baseball. Yeah, I will not. Six o'clock game. Uh, you know, Auburn's going on at the same time, so you'll be watching Auburn. I'll be in Tampa. I do not have ESPN Plus there, uh, so it's going to be very difficult for me. I'll find my ways to, to watch as much as I can. But uh, so for someone like me, I might be watching a lot of the Florida game. I think that Tennessee will be okay, but what we do have to remember is a this is college. True. <laughs> B Florida's home environment is awesome. Also true. And C, Milton is still not a completely known commodity. Yet. It really isn't. So, do you see Florida hanging in there? I think they might be able to, um, as long as they figure it out. They're, I mean, their running backs are extremely talented. So if they can kind of pound that football, then you know they might be able to get something going. Obviously, you can't really tell too much from you know. I mean, Tennessee didn't. I mean, they played Virginia and and you know. Uh, Austin P. So it's not much that you can tell based off of because I mean even the numbers are going to be skewed. Like they're out only averaging uh, eighty-seven yards per rushing yards per game allowed, and that's like that's not going to be realistic. Yeah. So this will be their first test for the at least and the very least on the rushing side of the ball. They're they're going to see a true rushing attack and see if uh, if they'll if Florida is going to be able to get some push there. Um, you know, now I'm looking at these stats, and, and I mean, even Graham Mertz, he has more passing yards than Joe Milton, which is surprising. You which know, no one in their right mind's taking Mertz over Milton right no, now. No, yeah. nobody is. But, but you never know. I mean, if, if Mertz can kind of, you know, if they Florida can figure it out and kind of get some things going, have the home environment play to their advantage, then, you know, maybe they can give Tennessee a run for their money. I still don't see them beating Tennessee. I mean, the line right now is Tennessee minus five and a half, which I thought that'd be a little bit bigger. Of a, of, a, of a spread, but the home field advantage yeah. that Florida has obviously is playing a big part into that. So I, I wonder if, I mean, if that's going to truly affect the game. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I do think that that home, home field advantage is going to be absolutely major, though. Well, and again, I think it goes back to, look, Florida got beat up around in Utah, but it was at Utah. Yeah. The score ultimately – was not incredibly decisive. I know that Utah could have won by more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it was not absolutely a demonstrative right. victory on the on the scoreboard. Right. And so if I'm just trying to come up with an argument for Florida, again, look, finding ways, even though it might look bad at times, finding ways to keep points off the board, hang around, home environment, the road team's the one that gets nervous late, Milton's – I'm trying to think. He played. Was that at South Carolina last year when they lost like 63 38? I don't remember the venue there. I'm going to assume they didn't take one on the chin in, in Neyland. And I'm going to assume that one no, was, yeah, at that South was at South Carolina. Okay. Yes, so, so he played in that environment and he played fine because, I mean, they scored 38. Right. Because that, that was, but that was the game that Hooker went down, right? Or no? Yeah. I think because I, mean, I, I think he went down. And I, I don't know how. But then but, he, but they were already down at that point. Tennessee Right. Yeah. No, Milton still played fine. Right. Uh, so, so even in his games, like the Clemson game where he played pretty well in, and obviously this Virginia game to start this year, you know Milton's not played in too many tough environments. And I, I still go back to when Auburn went to Florida in nineteen, and that year was getting to go to felt like all some of the great venues in the league. I was as impressed as any with Florida's venue. That was loud. Yeah. They can when they care, they get 
Oh, that 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 place is is tough. It's a rowdy fan base, uh, and, you know. And I mean, it was worth the win against Utah last year when objectively Florida was not as good as Utah last year. They right. just weren't. They weren't. They went six and six. Utah beat USC twice, won a Pac twelve title, all that. Florida was not better than last year, but they beat them and the swamp. They so did. the swamp is worth something. But every time I try to get some momentum towards thinking they might actually do it, I'm just like, Graham Mertz is just not going to pull that off. <laughs> At the end of the day, Graham Mertz is just not pulled off. Yeah. And Billy Napier is just not pulled off. Yeah. And, and the co- they talk about a lot, uh, they talk a lot about this in the NFL quarterback coach combination. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Billy Napier, Graham Mertz, or would you rather have Josh Heupel and Joe Milton? We all know the answer to that question. Right. And there's other things that go into it, but if you start to break it down further, there's not a lot of Florida strengths anyway. So, again, that's where I lean. Even on the road, I think Tennessee would be okay. But I do I, – I will not be surprised if Florida's feisty yeah. and if Tennessee gets just tested in various ways. That'll do it for the second hour of the program. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, the Sports Call 5 at 5 is in by Southeastern Land Group. A few more thoughts on Auburn and Sanford coming up in about 25 hours from now. Also, a few more thoughts on the rest of the SEC, including number one Georgia taking on South Carolina, and some thoughts on the college football landscape as a whole this season so far. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call today and for the week, starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry with you here on this Friday afternoon. It's turned out, turned out to be a Howdy. beautiful day uh, this evening, this afternoon. Hoping for that tomorrow. Do want to caution people, there is a chance of rain. Please do. No. Uh, so about a 40 or 50% coverage area tomorrow around game time. Hopefully the showers will stay clear like they have for the most part today, uh, but you never know. And so uh, that is a possibility. Also, Cam, can I interest you in, by the end of the weekend, some low temperatures right around 60? What? Yeah, we're getting there. I could be interested. Getting a whiff of fall. Finally. Yeah. I so like fall. Mid-September, starting to... Starting to get there. All right, as we continue on with the show this afternoon, it's time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. 
Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land to get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that, too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. For the five at five today, going to be kind of taking another quick look at some of those SEC matchups, five SEC matchups to keep an eye on here this weekend. Number one. Uh, again, we've talked about most of these already. LSU at Mississippi State. That is on our airwaves in the morning, 11 a.m. on FM Talk 93.9. You can listen to that via Compass Media Network. So LSU at Mississippi State. We'll see if LSU has corrected some things from that Florida State loss in week one. Number two. You got Missouri taking on number 15, Kansas State. Missouri doesn't make lists too often, but hey, that's an opportunity against what I would deem as the second best team in the Big 12, maybe third, depending on Oklahoma. But uh, Kansas State's definitely going to factor in the Big 12, so this is an interesting one to see if Missouri can give them any problems. Number three. Talked a little bit about it before going to break. Number 11, Tennessee at Florida. Can the Gators have some weird things go on in their favor in the swamp form? Still early in the year. like We don't have to be resigned to them having an awful year, uh, but they do need to get something positive headed on the field. They've done well recruiting and that sort of thing, but need something to go right on the field. They'll take on the Vols and Joe Milton. Number four. We've uh, talked a little bit about Ole Miss, Georgia Tech. I'll throw BYU and Arkansas on here. BYU is a team 2-0 now in the Big 12. This is now a power conference game with Arkansas. And Arkansas is looking a little vanilla so far this year. They have been <laughs> doing a little more pro-style stuff, which I don't think is conducive and the best idea for K.J. Jefferson's skill sets. Rocket Sanders has had some injury concerns. And so... Uh, not a incredibly hot start for Arkansas this year. Number five. We'll talk about this one here for a moment. Number five on the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. It's the number one team in the country. Georgia Bulldogs taking on South Carolina. First legit game for Georgia of the year. This Georgia team, Cam, we just don't know much yeah, about it yet other than we assume it's really good and it will yeah. defend really well. And Absolutely. A bunch of big boys and Carson Beck's here yep. and Stetson Bennett's not here. Yep. And we are just got to figure out more about Georgia. South Carolina, not a best start. Losing to North Carolina uh, in week one. Got sacked a lot, which is problematic. Spencer Rattler put up numbers when he was upright. Right. So. I think it starts with can they keep Georgia off of Spencer Rattler? Yeah, that'll be the most interesting thing, right? To see if if this Georgia de- defensive line doesn't get after Spencer uh, Rattler every single play that he drops back to pass. Um, you know, obviously Georgia's highly favored, um, but man, I you know, obviously being from the Atlanta area, I obviously have a lot of people that are Dogs fans because it just ties in with being an Atlanta fan overall with. You know, Hawks, Braves, Falcons, all that stuff. So you see a lot of UGA fans as well. Well, or I do. And they are getting all types of bent out of shape because of the environment that it seems that uh, their stadium has. I guess Samford Stadium is is just not that loud or something like that. And so um, they're they're talking about this weekend about how this is just going to be such like a, a rude awakening and all these different things. And I've seen kind of like back and forth about how people South Carolina fans are like, well, when I went, it was kind of underwhelming and all this, you know, different stuff. And 
they're still coming off back-to-back championships, so I still think ultimately they're going to win. I think this team is is still going to be very good just based off the talent that they have. But I would love to see South Carolina come in and just surprise a lot of people. If they can protect Spencer Rattler, maybe they'll be able to do that. Um, I, I still, I just, I think that'll be a game that could could end up being entertaining i am still low that it'll be entertaining but i'm holding out like a like a 10 percent chance that it will be and i would i would love to see just how it's going to play out but it, i mean again it could just end up being a blowout we don't know i'm just hoping that whatever happens we do get a better sense of what carson Beck yeah is. absolutely uh that they either open up the game with passing a little bit or south carolina's kept it close enough to where you have key third downs and key moments and the passing attack because that's the really wide receiver talent sure absolutely because that's really the only thing that i i question and and i think most people question is just what what does carson beck look like right. and and is there some sort of we, we got to go back and revise our thoughts on Stetson Bennett and and think actually it was even better than we gave it credit for yeah. and 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 that sort of thing. You know they've been a little underwhelming running the ball, but when they Georgia has the right more than anybody in the country right now to just not give a damn about certain games, right? And they didn't last year. Uh, again, I told you in the preview of Auburn Sanford, and we'll get back to that here in the next segment. That Georgia beat Sanford thirty three zero last year. George is way better than 33 points better than Sanford. Georgia could have won 66-0 last year. They were kind of bored. They kind of didn't care. And they actually did that, too. I think it was with Kent State last year. Was it 39-22 against Kent State? It was like a a three-possession game against a MAC team last year. And it's like we all know that 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 shouldn't have gone that way. And it didn't need to go that way. But Georgia just care because they had already wrecked Oregon to begin the year. They then later in the year flex their muscles defensively against Tennessee, and then they they score they showed offensive muscles against LSU in the SEC title game, and then obviously they showed every muscle anyone could have against TCU in the title game after a close call with Ohio State, and so it was just like they, they even, clearly they clearly had a certain level that they played down to yeah or a certain amount of care for certain teams last year so it like. I know there was one game earlier this year where they they barely scored in the first quarter and first half, and it you know, wasn't demonstrative. Yeah. Like, okay, great. I, like whatever. If you want to make the argument this is a different quarterback, they should be trying to throttle up. Sure, but we saw it last year, and they play less than stellar in some of their non-con games. It just didn't matter. Uh, and so this is probably when you think about their schedule, this is not hyperbole. I think it's their third biggest game. It Probably. might be fourth, depending yeah. on like how Florida or Kentucky ultimately are. I, I know that Ford is a huge rival, so maybe you give that credence if they can be close to South Carolina. Right. But just in terms of like taking the rivalries out of this, only Ole Miss and Tennessee are better teams for sure than what South Carolina is. Uh, Georgia Tech ain't going to give you that challenge. Nope. And now maybe at Auburn because it's an environment, but again, as a team, if we're just talking team, you know, Auburn's probably coming up just short of that. Auburn fans are petitioning so, that to be a night game, which might make a difference in my opinion. Maybe not, but I don't know. I saw that. Uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> That's your reaction. Yeah. I just they oh. don't they don't have any control over that. And look, I sure night game be great. 
two thirties a completely fine time too is what we rolled with and for the prime SEC game for years and years and years. And by the way, this is probably the last year doing that because once ESPN has all of it, I I, I would doubt they leave the best game for two thirty. I think they'll they'll make the second or third best game two thirty. So everybody can do it one more year. And two right. thirty is not eleven a.m. Eleven a.m. I'm with you. It sucks. I don't want breakfast beer. I get it. Okay, I, I get it. But two thirty is in my opinion, a pretty good time slot because yeah, that's not that bad. Because you you don't have to wake up incredibly early, but you can get a little bit of tailgating in. Then you go and then you do post tailgating. It's not incredibly late. If you have a six thirty game or something. It's like ten o'clock when the game ends. Like it's it's a decision where you've got to make a decision when you leave the stadium at ten o'clock. If you're just not going to bed that evening, like like you're gonna <laughs> wait till one or two a.m. Right, right. or you're or you're done for the evening. And so at two thirty, you don't have to make that decision. You have you had you had time before, you had time after. So I'm, right. there's my pitch to say, hey, two thirty is not so bad. I get night environments are, are awesome; they certainly are. But again, every everyone will be okay if it ends up being two thirty. I still see it as a sign of respect because that is the game of the week time slot, right? And and they are saying that the Deep South's oldest rivalry at Jordan Hare Stadium still is the game of the week. Yeah. So I see it as respect. Anyway, that game will will be kind of same competitive nature is maybe South Carolina just because you flip who's home and not. Right. Uh, but again, this is like the third or fourth most tough game for them. And that's not saying a whole lot, but it is what it is. So that's why I really want South Carolina at least make it to where Beck has to make play. Yeah. So that I can see, start to analyze who he is and how it might pretend to when it actually matters for them. Right. Beck's got to be you know, not necessarily flawless, but he's got it's got to be something. You got to be able to watch him in the run game. That'll that'll be something that Georgia's uh, got to watch because they've got banged up running backs all over the place. The wide receiver talent is something that's been extremely high. I I, I think just that's where you're going to have to be. The, the throwing offense is something they're going to probably have to work on in this game, um, just with how beat up the running backs are. So I, I wonder how long that's going to take. And then the defense, you don't really have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. This is probably the third or fourth toughest game for them. And so you, we've always known that, you know, Georgia doesn't always have the toughest schedule if they're not coming to, if they're not coming to, to Jordan Hare or, you know, if they don't end up facing Bama or things like that, then their schedule is relatively easy just in the, in the East. And that's going to change next year because they have a pretty tough schedule next year. But, um, I mean, for this one, they're just going to have to, I mean, they play what they play. And so from then, you know, yeah, and again, they yeah. they were going to have the the big non conference game. Right. It got wiped away, and Georgia, you know, Georgia Tech as a rival has just not panned out no. for a while. And again, there's things that go into that, but uh, yeah, no, again, the, the reality remains is this is still one of the one of the bigger games for them. And uh, I, again, that's why I want to really analyze what uh, what Carson Beck ends up doing. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine and join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line now. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, uh, good to hear from you as we talk about your Georgia Bulldogs. How are you this afternoon? Just fine, just fine. Thank you, guys. Uh, dang, uh, uh, yeah, Brian, I'm I'm with you. The two thirty time slot, I think, is the prime time slot because I mean. Uh, if you're going to game, I should say, because I like I like the, the the later game if I'm at home and stuff like that. But but if you're going to a game, yeah, you you can have your breakfast beer and then you can have your lunch beer <laughs> and then you go to the game and you can have your dinner beer. But 
if you've got the later game, you have your breakfast beer, you have your lunch beer, you might not make it to your dinner <laughs> beer. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I got yeah. you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to, uh, you know, it, it's all about a matter of control, I guess. But, hey, I'm with you all uh, as far as Georgia. Um, uh, like I say, I couldn't wait for the season to get here and hadn't watched the game. But I did get to watch some I, – I do watch some of the games uh, or have seen – I did not see any bit of the first game. I did see uh, most of the second game. And it's because I have to work on Saturdays, you know, and so I'm sitting there on my phone, you know, trying to watch it while I'm working. So, you know, the bosses have a tendency to not really like that. So, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) but um, what I did notice about Fed was, uh, and I don't know if it's – he does pass well. He, he puts it right in there. He, he does good. But it was because the Georgia offensive line was giving him so much time. You sure. know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's just like a, a, a practice. So I guess that's going to be the big thing is if the offensive line can, you know, keep all of the defenses out all year. Right, you know, because uh, and you know, offensive line is key. So and I am kind of curious about the running game because, okay, you, we do have a good, you know, passing offense. Okay, so they know how to pass block, but maybe don't know how to run block as good. You know, or is it a running back problem? Right. So we'll, uh, um, like we were discussing with Alabama, how does Alabama? not have, didn't recruit a good enough starting quarterback. Is it, I mean, Georgia's always recruited good offensive, uh, or excuse me, running backs. So, uh, and they do have, uh, you know, there's bright spots for everything. But I, I can't believe, how does Auburn say it? It's, they're, they're just using vanilla packages and stuff until they get to, I mean, that seems kind of weird to me that, um, uh, uh, you know, that Auburn would go vanilla when the game is so close against Cal. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Would I don't. You have, yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily think they went vanilla against Cal. I just think that they had a poor plan, uh, period. I, I mean, I got you. yeah, no, they, they, I think they thought maybe they could do some simple stuff. And and started the game that way, and then they just seemed overly panicked when it was not uh, working, when it was not going according to plan. That's when Ashford started to come in and, and that sort of stuff. I think against, I think any of the big teams against any FCS or Group of Five should be doing vanilla stuff. You should not be showing off uh, much, but against Cal, I think Auburn intended to have a certain amount of plan, and it just uh, it was it was very off base. You are. And I've talked about this before, you know, uh, my mojo is what controls what Georgia does. I may have the wrong shirt on, the wrong <laughs> flag flying and stuff like that. So when I told you that I found out how I could get it on my phone and actually watch the second game, uh-huh. I don't know if you noticed uh, um, Georgia was shut out in the first quarter for right. the first time in what? Nine years? Oh, I didn't yeah, know that so, stat. I just knew they had not scored, or, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe since I say nine years, it's probably but a while. Just, yeah. It, it, yes, it, and I go, yeah, okay. So you know, uh, uh, so I'm peeking through my fingers, just half watching it, so that way I don't cost cost <laughs> them the game. You know. So, um, uh, but what I was saying, or but what I mean is, Georgia wanted to score. You know, they weren't, I mean, they were throwing the ball. They were, uh, you know, as Steve would say, how do you explain that, guys? How do you explain that, guys? I don't know what was going on, you know, because there uh, wasn't really drop passes. You know, I I can't watch the whole field. So, uh, it's like there are plenty of times and, and, you know, just not running. So, I'm I'm curious. I'm with you. I want to see how Stetson Bennett does. And I also want to see how, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I will be able to watch this one because uh, I'm not working tomorrow. So, uh, so I want to watch the offensive line to see, you know, if the run blocking is there. And uh, we do have a good, a good freshman running back, uh, Robinson, I think his name. Yeah, uh, Roderick but, Robinson. Uh, yes, and so uh, we'll see. Uh, they they rotate so many, it's hard to even you know follow. I think that's a big thing too in football. You know, you're trying to keep all your players happy and stuff like that, but especially a running back or something like that. I mean, they got to get some rhythm, and uh, I uh, I would like to see them. You know, if you're if you're if you're running. Two plays, you know, and you made three yards each play. Man, just I just think of Emmett Smith and all the uh, and you know all the old running backs, you know, even pro running backs, you know, Earl Campbell. Give me yeah. the ball, coach. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I'm I'm sure these kids are saying the same thing, but then I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm curious. Uh, uh, I'm curious to see how Stetson Bennett does tomorrow and. Um, well, your game, the Auburn game is, it's a late game. That's how we got, I got on the subject, right? You, yeah. you do have the late game tomorrow. Yeah, okay. 6 o'clock. And then, all right, well, hey, I appreciate y'all letting me talk today. And, uh, Brian, I guess you're traveling tonight, tomorrow? Yeah, tonight. Going, leaving right after the show. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, hey have a safe trip. Be yes, careful. Sir. And, uh, I will talk to y'all again on Monday or sometime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff, so, Jeff, before you go, actually, yeah, I just sir. wanted, yeah, I just sir. wanted to say this. So uh, right now, I think that the way that the running back by committee is going is because I don't even think Robinson is honestly going to be getting as many yards. You got your your running back room is just beat up, honestly. Uh, Kendall Milton, you know, he's still coming back from a hamstring injury, and he's been working with right. that. And then Dewan Edwards, he has an MCL sprain, so he hasn't even gotten any playing time. Um, and then, right. you know, I think you have another guy, Andrew Paul, you know, he's coming off a torn ACL. So like, it's just kind of not everybody's healthy right now, I think in your running back room. And then you have a guy Branson, right. um, who hasn't even gotten any touches either. Right. Cause I think, oh, I think he's uh, done for the season or something. Cause he hurt himself. So it's he just hurt himself. Yeah. In the, yeah it, you're right. We're running out of running back. Right. But that's, and I guess that's what I'm. Uh, when I say, how do we not have a running back? Because right. we usually rotate to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have, and so now, okay, wait, we're down to 
we're down to one, and then you know, uh, it, it's how can we have to carry so many right. running backs? Right. I can't believe they even have that many of you know that are available. Exactly. You know, so, yep, we're probably going to have to we'll have to get uh, on a. a uh, uh, free agency uh, wire here uh, <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the season. I hope not. I hope we can get right, them all help. Right. Out. But yes, Kendall Milton. I uh, gosh, I love to see him play, but he he does stay hurt. It seems like right. So, uh, but but then again, I could I shoot. Give me the ball. I'm throwing that song gun away. <laughs> I'm not running in there, so, yeah, so I don't have anything to say. Right. Maybe if he gets say, the opportunity to get healthy, if he if Milton gets healthy, I think he's the top guy in my opinion. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I wonder, you know, if, if he gets healthy, then maybe it'll just be, he's the number one. Cause right now he's, he has the most carries. He just doesn't have the most yards. He's averaging 4.4 yards per carry on 17 carries and 71 yards. So, uh, you know, maybe the, he's just kind of Kirby, just kind of like working him up and maybe then he'll, yeah. he'll be ready. Uh, so maybe that's just something that they're waiting on. And so that with the two games, it's been easy. And then with this game right. and them going, going uh, against South Carolina, maybe we'll see somebody who's going to emerge. Maybe it'll be Milton. Maybe it'll, maybe right. it'll be Robinson. So I, I wonder. That, that's our, uh, that's our vanilla, our vanilla running back. <laughs> right. Right. We just, we don't want to get him hurt until we need him. So maybe we'll see him this game. I hope we don't see him this game. I hope we can get it put away. But with Spencer Rattler, you never can tell what's going to show up. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But hey, you all have a good uh, good night and uh, have a safe trip. And we will talk to you all tomorrow or sometime next week. Yes, yes sir. sir. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate your phone call. That is uh, Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take another timeout of the program. When we come back, a little more Auburn Sanford and a what to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday as we start to get close to the end of the week. Again, just over 24 hours from Auburn and Sanford inside of Jernhear Stadium. Again, Tiger's last non-conference tune-up before playing Texas A&M in week four. We talked a lot about it the first hour of the show, some in the second hour, but Again, Cam, give us some of your keys to the game here in this Auburn-Sanford and what do you want to see out of the Tigers? 
I want to see Peyton Thorne throw the ball downfield multiple times. I want to see, uh, I want to see him comfortable in this offense. I want to see some 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 confidence. So I want to see the coaching staff have confidence in him to do the to make those plays to make those throws. I want to see a comfortable Peyton Thorne in this Auburn offense with Hugh Freeze with a that can open up and spread the ball everywhere. I want to see receivers having two, three, four catches uh, everywhere, all of them, everybody, including Rivaldo Fairweather. I, I need I need to see all of this um, for for this game. I, I that's my biggest key. Um, another key is those wide receivers for Peyton to create to make those throws. The wide receivers need to get open. They need to be open, and I, I want to see them breaking off routes very well and 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 doing that and and emerging and, and getting more comfortable so that Peyton can make those throws. Um, I want to see ball security. I want to see um, just you know light light on the turnovers. Obviously, zero would be great, but as minimal as possible um, uh, with those. Uh, and then with the defense, I just want to see the pass rush because this offensive line for Samford doesn't seem to be great. Uh, obviously, they have a pretty dynamic quarterback, and they like to throw the ball a lot. So I, sh- I, I want to see the, the D-line kind of living in the backfield a little bit. So those are my keys to this game. Um, but just get, get the offense back on track and create some continuity. If Robbie doesn't play for this game, that should be perfectly fine because we need Peyton Thorne to be comfortable we need him to be right and we need him to be able to throw the ball downfield and that's the that again i'll say it until i'm blue in the face that's the biggest key because you're not going to win football games by just running the ball it's just not going to work you got to be able to stretch the field and and that's going to be just key and imperative as auburn gets ready to get into the sec schedule yeah again i think that what we're saying with quarterback room is there again you can still in this game because of the way it's structured have an opportunity to have ashford in the game as yeah, part sure. of the second unit, not as a part of the, the package, plan. the goal line element, that sort of thing. Yep. And, like, honestly, I, again, Astrid's skill says a runner. We know it. We get it. It's good. But I don't want it to feel like it's a crutch for the offense. I don't want it to feel like it's something that this offense is not capable of doing. And so – Again, we're putting all these labels on on the package and, and what needs to happen there, but really what it's about is figuring out your base offense and figuring out yes, Peyton Thorne absolutely. and figuring out ways to be comfortable with Peyton Thorne because there's nothing in me that thinks that the dynamic around Robbie Astrid's passing has changed from last year. And if you get back into that song and dance, you're so limited, the passing absolutely. game's non-existent, and you brought in all these wide receivers – Plus a tight end wide receiver hybrid and Rivaldo Fairweather for nothing. To yeah, for 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 really nothing. So I think it's very important that the coaching staff do what it needs to do to get very comfortable with Peyton Thorne, get very confident with Peyton Thorne. You're going into a road environment in week four. A uh, and M may not be pound for pound one of the most. Um, in I, I won't say intimidating, but loud environments. Right. You know they. Have 100,000 people, certainly a respectable home environment, 12th man, all that, not trying to criticize it. But there are tougher environments in this league, and it's a place that Auburn has gone in there one in past years. Yes, sir. They've done it multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that is still something. 
to to hang your hat on. But nevertheless, you're going into a completely different environment than even Cal, right? I mean, you're right. gonna have double the people yeah, there. It's absolutely. not hyperbole. You have over double the people there for sure. So you need to find ways to be confident, and for Peyton Thorne to be confident in that sort of thing. That's the most important thing. I don't have a score for you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have. I don't. Either. I don't have some. Uh, they better have 400 rush no. yards, or better only give up 200 total yards, or anything like that. The I would score, love a three. I would love a 250 yard passing game. Yeah, I would from Peyton Thorne alone, not total. Peyton Thorne. If, if I want to almost say 280, I really like getting close to 300. Like I want that. Like I, I kind of <laughs> need to see that because I, I, we haven't. If he could, if he could match just the. Total numbers, 20 to 25 throws, really 25 to 30 throws from Peyton Thorne and, and you know, close to 300, you know, maybe maybe like two, between 280 and 300. I would love that. I Because you know Auburn's going to win the game either way, but if we can just – if we can throw the ball, I would feel so much better going into Texas yeah. A&M. I would feel so much better. Optics of how it looks or optics of how uh, passing goes. Yes. And – Again, like I said, I will be a little more skeptical, even if it is really good for what lies ahead with A&M, but certainly better to put something good on tape than bad. And, again, I think it's not even about what we're seeing. It's about what the coach is seeing. So right. I hope that all the little things that don't all, that always go noticed uh, with alignments and pre-snap reads and decision-making, that sort of thing, I hope those check the boxes for the coaching staff. Two final uh, six or seven minutes of the show here this afternoon. Again, getting out here just a slight bit early as we've stacked the brakes here towards the end. Here. So let's get to a what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Of course, a lot of football as necessary. We've told you about a lot of the SEC games. Games of note outside of the SEC include Colorado and Colorado State, just because of where game day is. The uh, amount of attention being garnered by Colorado and and stupid things said by Colorado State's coach. Yeah, right. Gosh, uh, we didn't even get into that. So that will likely be a blowout. Uh, you also got, you know, as mentioned a little bit earlier, number eight Washington going to Michigan State. So road test for a top ten team in the Pac-12. There, uh, you also got uh, top twenty-five North Carolina hosting Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. You also got reigning uh, second place. At least you tried, champs. TCU. At least you tried. Uh, at Houston in a battle of Texas teams. That is now a Big 12 matchup uh, in the state yep. of Texas between TCU and Houston. And so, again, there's a lot of stuff on here that just, in terms of national relevance, in terms of long term implications, yeah. I'm not sure there's much this week. This is simply a week to kind of check the boxes and see. If everybody's in a good situation still, or if someone's destined for a train wreck of a season, or that sort of thing. Yeah, it just is one of those weeks that could be a turning point in a season. Um, I, I want to watch as many Colorado games as I will physically be able to because I just love I just love the hype around what's going on with with Colorado. I know some people don't love it, but. You know, I, I'm enjoying what Dion's bringing to this D1 level of, of, of football, like with, with how he's bringing his energy, unapologetically him. And I like Shadur, honestly. I like watching him play. I think he's a dynamic player. I'm also a little bit biased because Travis Hunter went to my high school, so I love watching him play as well. Um, so it, it's it's all just great. And, and then, you know, uh, some of these other games, you know, TCU and Houston, that one could be – 
slightly interesting. We'll see because TCU has been a little bit disappointing and then a little bit more disappointing than a lot of people kind of expected. And um, I actually, in our pick them, I picked Houston to win that game. So we'll see. I don't know how many people did. I don't know. I it's just, close. Hey, it's look, close. Man, yeah, exactly. No. I mean, look, to be fair, I didn't even get to hang my hat on this last week. Everybody picked Bama. And I picked Texas. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit more confident at this point. I'm, I'm kind of ready to roll. So uh, hopefully, hopefully um, my good, my good picks uh, continue and, and we'll, we'll work with that. But yeah, this will be a, an interesting week of teams just kind of, if they can get right, they can get right. And if not, then, they'll have a lot to worry about towards the end of the season. Yeah, again, I I certainly could see it happening. I just thought Houston would be one of the three or four worst teams in the Big 12 this right. year. But then again, I told you before the season, I thought TCU would only have a six. I, I, my bold prediction was six wins or less for TCU this year. Right. Uh, having to replace all that they have to replace. Certainly losing to Colorado did not help that, although we're, we're seeing that Colorado is legit in some ways. But uh, still, TCU could be a little bit of a of – a, Back to yeah, back to earth have, season. Have some regression for sure. Uh, so be interesting to, to see that. Again, final couple minutes, time for another sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend. More Braves baseball this weekend. Of course, you can always Brace. listen to the Braves on AM twelve thirty WAUD here in East Alabama. Brace. Braves trying not to be gosh, they are do they not look tired Dude, to you in the dugout? Look looking dead. at the T V screen as we <laughs> brought this up. And they're like, oh look at Michael Harris. He's just like head uh, down. Like, oh I think gosh. that the party went into they the wee hours of yesterday crazy. too. Oh man, but so, hey, it's okay. Braves Dude. probably losing tonight. I'm just gonna you go think ahead. So? Yeah, I, well, based off that dugout yeah, based reaction, based off that look, so, yeah. Okay. Now they quito has got like six and a half ERA, but uh, that might help them. But and the Marlins, but Marlins need the series. Now you yeah, can they, see the standings. This. I mean, Cubs and Phillies feel pretty good about a wild card spot, but Giants, D-backs, Reds, and Marlins, any of them, you throw, yeah, you blindly throw a dart at the dartboard, and, and any one of those four could end up as that that final wild card team. So it is important for Miami. This, this right, they need this series this. is. So I, I don't know how the Braves will play this weekend. And guess what? It does not matter. They have already uh, clinched the division, six straight division title, yeah. and yeah, in great shape to not only be the number one seed in the National League, but to finish with the best record. In baseball, Rays Orioles playing a very important series oh, in the American League. Rays won last night, cut that to one. So, Rays and Orioles is a real battle there in the American League. One more for you on this Friday edition of the show. What to watch for over the weekend? Sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend? Uh, this one is uh, based off of yesterday. Yesterday we had the the pleasure of having Chandler Smith, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, on this program. The NASCAR Xfinity Series at Bristol comes up in just moments tonight. Uh, that one is going to be on USA this weekend on uh, Saturday night. You got Bristol uh, for the. Final playoff race of round of 16. That one is a Saturday night race. Uh, again, at Bristol, always love that they do the the Saturday night short track racing. And so, again, appreciated Chandler Smith coming by the show or talking on the show yesterday uh, with us. And we'll see how those playoff races go this weekend. Final minute or two of the show here. Again, want to tell you about all the various things we have going on with Tiger Communications in the coming days. Again, if you keep it tuned a little bit longer here, you're going to hear the Lindy's report. And followed uh, following that at 6:30, you're going to see the or you're going to hear the Borgarn Hornets uh, versus the Tallahassee Tigers. That one is out at Tallahassee, 6:30 airtime, seven o'clock kickoff. Tim Sin, 
uh, and all the Beauregard guys out there at Tallahassee. Over on FM Talk 93.9 with a 6.40 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff. you got the Smith Station Panthers. They are taking on Enterprise tonight. That will be a fun one. And then directly following that on FM Talk 93.9 is the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show, so you can catch up on all the scores from this area and from the entire state of Alabama. And then tomorrow, again, as mentioned, Compass Media Network, we are a proud partner with them this year and with Touchdown Radio, bringing us some Game of the Week action. And tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., you got LSU at Mississippi State. That is on our airwaves, so you don't want to miss that. Final minute or two of the show for today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Real quickly, we do have some football tonight. Six o'clock on ESPN. It's Army taking on UTSA. That's an interesting little group of five game. Army about to become members of the American Conference, and so. Uh, that will be a conference game coming up here uh, in a couple of seasons. Six o'clock on FS1, Virginia taking on Maryland. Fear the turtle. Virginia not looking good after a loss to James Madison last weekend. Virginia could be one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country this year. Sheesh. So that's not been going well. 6.30 WNBA playoffs, Washington Mystics, New York Liberty. That's 6.30 ESPN2. As mentioned, 6.30 on USA. It's NASCAR Xfinity Series, first playoff race uh, of the round of 12. That one at Bristol. And then you've also got women's college soccer tonight on SEC Network Plus as Auburn travels to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. And so that's a smorgasbord of different sport offerings for you on this Friday night. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Cam, thank you for being here, sir. Hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you again next week. Yes, sir. You have a great weekend. Enjoy Tampa. I hope they lose. I'm sorry. Uh, They won't. (laughs) <laughs> they might. No. They might. I have faith. I have faith in you guys. We'll see. I'm not. I don't jinx things. Anyway. Uh, uh, but uh, thank you, and I want to travel safe. And yes, we'll see travel how it goes. safe, sir. Uh, and so that will do it for the show today and for the weekend. As always, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in throughout the day and throughout the week. For Cam Berry, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Have a great weekend of college football and pro football, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>